Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! Deep to right field! Gets it goodbye! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk-off win! Jordan Alvarez, a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Entertainment capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the TC Martin Show. Verlander deals a 3-2. And a cold strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep in the left center field. This is way back. And it is gone. Alex Bregman gets the Astros off the deck. It's time to get your daily prescription from the strikeout number nine. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Thursday. Astros actually traveling to Seattle and uh, starting that series uh, tomorrow. We continue on here. NBA playoffs, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll talk more about that this hour as well. Appreciate Jay Cornegate joining us uh, last hour. Scott Sprites are getting ready to join us uh, this hour. We handicap the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and a whole lot more for you. And don't forget, uh, we'll be at the Westgate of Las Vegas tomorrow inside the world-famous Superbook. Talk a little Derby Day. Eh, first Saturday in May. Always a, a great time, fun time as well, too. So uh, I'm I definitely going to have a mint julep tomorrow. I still don't think I've ever had a mint julep. I don't know. but I, Should I get a hat? Or is that only for women? Only for women, I think. Only for women? But guys can't wear hats. But, but you need to like can't wear the greatest suit. Hat? Oh yeah, you know our you know your buddy that is out here. That's the best dressed person my, in all of Vegas. My buddy. Your well, your coworker, uh, or not coworker, but a colleague. Okay, yeah. So anyway. dress like him tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, man. If I start busting out my threads, all right, I'm putting everybody to shame. And you know, you know, you know where I'm that's going. That's what the derby looks. See, that's what that, the derby's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, and I'll, I'll bust out my hat game too. All right, bust out my hat. Go, go see my my guy Mondo, Mondo for adventure. Hmm. All right, we continue on here with uh, Scott Spritzer joins us. He's got a little hat game. He doesn't wear hats much. Why don't you wear hats much? Because you're able to keep your hair for all these years. I'm jealous of that. Is that why you don't wear hats? I never wear hats when I'm around a bald guy. No, I gotta, I gotta throw it in their face, TC. <laughs> now I'm fitting up top, and you know, luckily when you're six one, a lot of people don't see the the, yeah. the, the male pattern balding unless you bend over. But uh, listen, you gotta wear a hat for Derby Derby Day for tomorrow's show. Yeah, you gotta wear a hat, no yeah. doubt about it, guys or women, and. Uh, you know, if I was down there tomorrow, I'd probably have to wear some kind of fedora, something along the, you know, McGill hat. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, come on. Let's go. Bring your hat game tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you got the open invitation anytime, man. Let's go. Oh, I know. We'd, I love, know. To have, we'd love to have you there. Guess, yeah, you bring the hat. I'll bring the mint julep. How's that? <laughs> I'll bring the bourbon. There you go. And you bring the sugar and all that other crap. Right, right. <laughs> there you go. Well, no, we're going to have that provide for us by the Westgate, you know? Well, there you go. Yeah. But uh, two ounces, uh, you know, we were reading that. Two ounces is what you make a mint julep. That sounds a little skimpy, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know all that's in it other than sugar and bourbon. And, you know, I'm, I'm for one of those two. Uh, so, um, you know, they could... They could just give me a, a, a bourbon neat and I'd be fine. A bourbon neat. <laughs> yeah, you're just missing the water and the four mint uh, leaves. That's all you're missing. There you go. There, there yeah. it is. Yeah, the sugar. <laughs> the sugar is the key. No question. All right, Scott, are you partaking uh, Saturday? Do you got a horse for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't decided what I'm doing yet because I'm waiting for more matchups, and I'm more of a matchups yeah. guy than I am uh, betting to win or exactas. I'll, I'll mess around with some of that. You know, I, I do like, and I hate going with, you know, favorites and all that, like Forte, but I did see uh, one matchup already out there with Forte laying about a buck fifty over Tappet Trice, and I think that's got a good shot if you like the matchups. I kind of look at, you know, Trice, and I see, okay, yeah, won the Tampa Derby, the Bluegrass, but I don't know if this horse is capable between the years of handling 
the mental aspect of, you know, close to two dozen horses, 20 horses. Right. And so it's a situation where I think it's going to be hurt by that. And, and for that reason, I like Forte in that matchup. And, you know, again, if you like long shots, you know, so, so-called long shots and, you know, maybe even, you know, I, last I saw reincarnate was 50 to one. And, um, you know, it's not a bad horse. I think it's got a chance to be near the front of the pack at the end of the race. So, that one and probably confidence game, which is around 20 to one last I saw, uh, are not bad. If you want to throw a couple of long shot prices out there, if you're a casual horse fan that just really gets involved in the, in the triple crown, why not throw, you know, we saw that huge underdog win last year. And why not throw a couple of bucks on, you know, long shots like those two that I just talked about? I think if any long shot is going to win, it's going to be one of those two horses that I just mentioned, confidence game or reincarnate. Yeah, the Derby for me has always been tricky just because, like you said, you got the crowded field. When you have 20 horses, I mean, anything can happen. And that's exactly what happened with Rich Strike last year at 80 to one. I mean, just, it just, it just went, uh, you know, perfect, you know, for him. And it's, it's hard to handicap sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with a, a field like that, then you throw in weather. And I know there's a possibility of rain tomorrow at Churchill Downs as well. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's, it, it's tough. And, um, so. Uh, whether you're, you're, you're the hardcore horse player or just the casual fan who just likes to have a little fun, seems like everybody will always have a little bit of action on the Derby and be involved in, you know, the fastest two minutes, uh, in sports. I'm curious, uh, and I know that you, you're like me. You spent time at the racetrack when, when you were a youngster and, and you'll go and you'll, uh, you know, you'll follow it. But do you, uh, give out um, the horses for the Triple Crown races or Breeders' Cup to your clients, or do you just kind of stay away from that and just do it casually? Yeah, I, I do. I mess with the Triple Crown. Like, I might not give all three races, but I think I've always, you know, gotten involved with the Derby. Uh, after the Derby, you've got, you know, horses that drop out, new horses that come in, and I do get involved in that. But a lot of times, that third jewel of the Triple Crown. A lot of times I end up passing, and I do uh, handicap and, and clients like the uh, Breeders' Cup. But as far as doing it on a day, and I used to be heavily involved in horse racing 20 years ago on a daily basis, but the folks don't really want it. They want to do their own homework when it comes to horse racing. So, And I kind of got away from it, TC. I, my family, that's where we got our start in betting. I mean, I go way back. I have an uncle uh, through marriage by the name of Robert Mundorf, who has since passed away, but he was a world-class jockey. He was a jockey of the year at uh, Del Mar in the early 60s. He ran with all the big names, Shoemaker, all that, same races, and he had a fantastic career. And then at the end of his career, when he got old and, you know, like everybody does, he ends up, uh, ended up going to, uh, to uh, Exarbon. That's where he finished up his career was at Exarbon Racetrack in Omaha, which unfortunately is no longer around. But we were around it. My family, my parents, uh, obviously the the person through marriage that was married to Robert Mundorf that brought him into the family, those people traveled all over the place during meets. I mean, they would go to Santa Anita. They would go uh, to Chicago. They would go to Del Mar every year. And, and again, he was world-class. He was jockey of the year, one of the years in the early 60s at Del Mar, had great success at Santa Anita. It's funny when I bring up his name to horse, really big-time people that follow horse racing and have done so for a long time, soon as I say his name, they're like, oh, Bobby Mundorf, you know, they know who he is. <laughs> right. And they remember him from back then. And I'm sure on Facebook or, or Twitter, I'll be posting a picture or two uh, as we head into Saturday's race of Bobby. But I'll tell you one thing Bobby told me. And again, I was a young guy. He was pretty old by the time the mid seventies rolled around. But I remember having a big Thanksgiving dinner at one of my aunts or uncle's houses and Bobby sitting there across the table and at the time, he had to be at least in his mid-60s. And he looked across the table at me, and he knew I had an interest in sports betting and horses, and I was only like eight. And he goes, I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you one piece of advice I want you to remember forever. Never bet on a horse race unless you know before the race is run who's going to win. That's exactly what he said. And I just kind of laughed. My dad chuckled, and that was that. But, uh, you know, and I'll give you a real quick uh, note on Bobby. He was known to gamble like crazy. A really nice homie bought in the Omaha area. Uh, for himself and his wife, and and uh, but he was at a place called Nebraska Furniture Mart back in the day. We're talking early seventies, and it just won a race or something. Had a nice purse that he took home, and and he's sitting there, and he basically bet the owner of the furniture store that he was going to furnish his new house with, and he said, uh, "Next person who walks in the front door, 
if, he, if he's wearing stripes, I, you, you pay me 50, or I get 50% off. If he's wearing anything but stripes, I'll pay you double. So that's the kind of guy Bobby Mundorf was. And, uh, learned a lot from him about horse racing, but I haven't been, you know, like an everyday horse handicapper or better for about 20 years now. Bobby Mundorf. Uh, I know you've told me the stories uh, many times and that's, that's, that's classic. That's great, man. That is awesome. All right. Scott Spritzer, uh, join us. He go, go to, uh, docsports.com for Scott's selections, no matter what sport, even horse racing. You may get the release for Saturday's Kentucky Derby. All right, my friend, last night, some thoughts, uh, the Golden Knights and the, uh, the slugfest, uh, so to speak. Uh, the game gets over, no problem. Six and a half goals, six four. But man, Drysaddle was fantastic. Uh, Pavelski the night before. Uh, these two guys uh, score four goals within a 24-hour period, and their teams lose. That's a little shocking. Uh, but uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna be in for a fantastic series between the Knights and the Oilers. I'm not betting the under. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll tell you that this series. Um, you know, it's funny. It's it really is the superstars of the Edmonton Oilers against the quality depth of the Vegas Golden Knights, and both teams are a little hamstrung in goal. You know, Skinner wasn't good last night for the most part. Uh, Bruce Wall give him all the credit in the world for what he's done, but he's not a legit starting NHL goalie. And so you've got a situation where I don't think we're going to see one of those series where, man, he's just standing on his head. He's a hot goalie, and this team's going to win because, man, this goalie just you know can't be beat. Looks like he's got plexiglass in front of him, all that kind of stuff that we've heard in the past. So I, I well, going into that Winnipeg series, I saw that series price. I saw the game one price, and I was texting back and forth with a few cappers, including our friend Dave Koken. And I said, I think, I think the books are wrong on this one. I go, they're giving a lot of credit to Winnipeg, and, and I don't see it. And I talked to those guys about the fact that Vegas was like a $2 home favorite against the Jets a couple of months ago. And I get the difference between January hockey and playoff hockey. And then they were like a buck 50 or whatever they were, buck 45 in game one. And they ended up losing. But the point was after that, they just dominated. And I saw the same kind of thing with Edmonton. And you know, I got a couple of texts from those guys and before the series started. And when the line first came out of the series, and they're going, man, what do you think about this price? And I was like, you know, I go, Edmonton doesn't play any defense. You know, so, you know, I don't want to have to go against home ice advantage with a team that doesn't get back and protect their goalie. It doesn't have a fantastic goalie between the pipes. And I go, you know, they, they might score four or five goals a game, but they might give up six or seven. And we saw that again last night. The bottom line for Vegas, stay the heck out of the penalty box. You're going up against a team that is probably going to score at least at least every other time when they're on the man advantage. And they, Vegas took a couple of really dumb penalties last night. There was one at centerized, neutralized, which meant nothing to the play. That put him in the box, and Edmonton scored a goal. They get, obviously, that uh, last-second penalty uh, that was called late in the uh, second period, right before the buzzer. Right. You know, a little sm- uh, shot to the chops. You know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, are you kidding me? Why are you taking that penalty? You know, so, of course, Edmonton starts the third with a power play, and they score a goal. So if you can keep them at even strength and quit giving up the shorthanded stuff, you know, their shorthanded and give up Edmonton's power play, uh, you're going to win this series, I think, if you're Vegas. There's just so much depth. they got four lines that can play with just about anybody in the uh, NHL. And the only caveat of this whole thing, and, again, I don't want to take away too much from Brossois because he's done a great job but the fact that he's never been there before and he's not yet a legit starting goalie, I guess. And um, they've got to be real careful about the situations they put him in. Got to stop taking those dumb penalties. Having said that, they take a bunch of dumb penalties. Dreisaitl gets four goals and they still win the game. And I was just going to finish that with this. I don't care what anybody says right now. I think Connor McDavid is the most exciting athlete in all of pro sports. And hockey's not my favorite sport, but I think he, there's nobody more exciting right now. He gets up and down the ice. He's looking for Drysaddle last night. He's more than willing to let Drysaddle be the goal-scoring star, you know, and, and, and as long as his team can, you know, win a game. So anyway, McDavid and his speed and quickness and puck handling, man, there's just nothing like it right now in any sport as far as I'm concerned. All right. No, very good uh, point there. You know, I know that you're a game-by-game guy for the most part when it comes to, you know, betting series, whether it's, you know, baseball playoffs, the NHL, or the NBA. 
But how much value do you look at, Scott, when you get a situation, and we'll use the Golden Knights, Edmonton as an example, and also the Warriors and the Lakers here, where you get the the favorite team that loses game number one. Uh, and even though Edmonton doesn't have home ice advantage, but where on the NBA side, the Warriors do, where they lose game one, and you think, okay, this is now I, I'm getting some value here. Uh, how much do you take advantage of that? Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned that because when it came to Golden State, I kind of thought that going in. I was like, you know what, if they lose game one and I see that Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you know, are both playing over 40 minutes out of 48, uh, then I'll probably come back with Golden State to win the series. And I didn't put big money on or anything like that, but I put a few bucks on Golden State after they lost game one to come back and win the series. I thought about doing that last night going into the Edmonton Vegas game one battle of, you know, if Edmonton loses game one, I might come back at plus a buck, excuse me, plus a buck ten or plus a buck fifteen in the series and and take the Oilers as a short dog. And then I watched how little they played on defense and how little they paid attention to the crease right in front of the goalie on the defensive end and some of the chippies that Vegas was able to you know take advantage of. I thought I just can't do it, so I ended up uh, playing Golden State with that in mind as far as winning the series after losing Game One, and I ended up passing Edmonton after watching the way they lost game one. Okay. Let's uh, talk about game number two tonight between the Warriors and the Lakers. Uh, all Warrior money coming in as expected. The line opened five. Now it's six and a half, and there's even uh, maybe a couple sevens that are out there as well. Uh, does this kind of give you the, the game three scenario with uh, Sacramento and Golden State where the Warriors you know, went home, they were down 2-0, backs against the wall, where that was an easy cover for the Warriors? Do you kind of see that it, and even add the aspect that you just brought up, which, you know, I factored into it as well, too. The, the minutes that LeBron James and Anthony Davis, um, you know, put in in game one and the factor that, you know, Davis has really not put together, you know, back to back games where, uh, he's, you know, he's, you know, has not put, uh, uh, the same type of, uh, of numbers up. You know, there's usually a drop off for Anthony Davis. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, it kind of reminds me, like what you just said about the minutes played and all that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Lakers coming off big wins in the series with the T-Wolves and then getting whipped on the road by Minnesota. It has that feel to it because they only had a couple of days off between games, you know, for LeBron and Anthony Davis to refresh after playing a bunch of minutes in the previous game that they won. And you didn't see the same effort. I'm not saying they were resting themselves because they did have a chance to go back home after if they won that game and go back home. But it was a situation, although they just didn't look like they had their legs under them as much. And, you know, also, not only did they play a combined 83 minutes between LeBron and Davis in game one two nights ago, and, and they did outplay Golden State a little bit better, not, not, a, not a big deal better, but slightly better than Golden State for most of the final three quarters. But if the Lakers would have done it with an even playing field, I would have been a little bit more impressed. And by even playing field, I mean this, that I'm not saying the refs were wrong, I'm just saying the free throw shooting was way far from even. The Lakers had 29 attempts to Golden State six. The Lakers outscored them 25 to five at the charity stripe by 20 points in game one on the road. So you could probably take most of that advantage away for game two. You're probably not going to see a 29 to six advantage at the free throw line for a second straight game away from home. Plus LeBron again and Anthony Davis playing all those minutes. You know, I'm not saying they're going to rest up or not play as hard. They might not be as capable of playing as hard because they need a little bit of rest. And they know they're going to go home at worst with a split at one apiece. And I would rather, if I'm a coach, I would rather have LeBron rested up and healthy uh, and Anthony Davis the same, knowing that I'm going home with a chance to go up two games to one and three games to one if those guys aren't spent. Like we saw Embiid last night. I thought that was ridiculous to, to play Embiid last night. They got away with a win in game one without him. Got a guy who's, you know, injury prone. You throw him out there. You know Boston is going to be ultra-focused after what happened in game one. And they play him anyway with a chance to get him hurt. And guess what? Now he's popped up in the last hour on the injury list. Listed as probable with the knee problem. But again, on the injury list. Why did they sit him down last night knowing that the chance of winning that game was minimal at best? I just thought it was a dumb move. So, Toss all that into the mix, and then also know that home favorites of more than three points and less than ten, so you're talking home favorites of three and a half to nine and a half, 
They're on a 30-5 and five spread run in Game 2 of a playoff series. Yep. And road teams in general in Game 2, they've only covered 12 of the last 55. And you know me, I'm not a big trend guy, but when it comes to the postseason in any sport, I start to look at league-wide angles. I don't like, hey, the Lakers are 10-20 and 20 in this spot, that kind of stuff, or the Warriors are 20-10. and 10. I like NBA, you know, things that follow human characteristics. That's league-wide stuff. And there's great numbers right now on the Warriors. In fact, game two at home off a loss is like 14 and one against the spread the last 15, winning outright all 15 times over the last 15 times that it's taken place. So I tend to look at those, those NBA, uh, NBA league wide angles when it comes to the playoffs. And it certainly points to Golden State. Now, of course, you could have got as low as four and a half. And now it's a, it's at seven in a whole lot of joints. I'm, I'm looking at my line service right now, TC, and I'd say 75 to 80% of the books of 25 books that I have in front of me are sitting at seven. In fact, you're, you know, at the Westgate, it's saying seven right now on Golden yeah. State. And that all went up in the last hour. I know. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, we were just talking to Jay Cornegate. He had said that too. And I think it's a double digit victory for, uh, the Warriors in this situation tonight for all those reasons that you said, Scott, and you're right. The numbers for game two, uh, especially teams that lose, uh, game one, uh, it, it's phenomenal, you know, especially, you know, with that uh, team at home. So I'm, I'm with you on that. No question about it. And going back to, you know, what you said about the injury thing with Embiid and not playing him. I mean, that's the, the exact reason why Eric Spolstra did not play Jimmy Butler. They, right. they won game one at the garden and it was like, okay, hey, we're happy with a split. Let's, let's get, uh, Butler that rest. Cause you know, darn well, if it was game six or seven, Jimmy Butler would be playing. There'd be no question, which kind of begs the question. And I don't think anyone's really talking about this as, but well, why, why wouldn't uh, you sit LeBron James, you know, tonight? Because this is a guy that again played all of those minutes. Uh, you go through this load management nonsense during the course of, of the season and you're supposed to, you go through the load management. So you have your guys fresh and available to do it, but it clearly hasn't worked. I mean, they tried this with so many players from Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, who's even finished the playoffs to Joel Embiid to James and Davis. And, and again, it's, you know, these guys are still injured and right. there's a lot to be said about this. I don't think people realize is that you condition your body by playing and you're old school, just like I am. And just like all the, the, for, the former NBA guys that, that are on this program, they just say it just blows their mind and you condition your body to play at least 82 games. When you start conditioning your body to play 45 or 50 or 60 games, you are going to break down. I mean, it's plain and simple. We're seeing it in baseball with, with, with pitching the exact same thing. You know, if like, okay, if, if you're only asking your starting pitcher to give you five or maybe six max, don't be surprised. These guys are going to get hurt because they're not used to going, you know, in training for going eight or nine innings. So, you know, that is a factor that I guess if you're not an athlete or a, a coach or a manager, sometimes you, you, you don't see, but. Every time we talk to players or coaches or managers, they'll talk about this stuff. But we continue to see the players kind of, you know, run this situation themselves. Well, I'm taking the night off. I don't want to play and this and that. So you could make the, the case that the Lakers may be better suited in the long run, not only this playoff series, but the rest of the postseason if they advance to sit a LeBron James or an Anthony Davis tonight. You got your split. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, it's funny because. You put all that into, you know, into the mix, like you just said, what they train for throughout the course of the season anymore is not quite the same. And it might have been Jay Schrader when I was down there around the Super Bowl. I don't even know if he said it on the air. He might have said it off the air, but he goes, combination. It's like there's got to be a, a, a fine line that we meet somewhere in between guys who overtrain with weights. And as you said, train game wise to play you know, half the games or two thirds of the games that you should. There's, it, it's like one extreme or the other with these guys. And there's got to be a point where if you're not going to train your guys game wise to be out there every night, then certainly if you steal a win like the Lakers did with that 20 plus free throw advantage on the road, you don't need to burn up LeBron James. You know, maybe he plays 28 minutes tonight. You know, and then again, maybe if they've got a five point lead with five minutes to go, he's out there playing his butt off. You know, so, 
I think it's kind of one of those things where you, if, if in my mind, and by the way, I think Eric Spolster is the best coach in the NBA. And I think he shows it every single night. You know, not Popovich. He hasn't done squat uh, since he hasn't had stars, multiple stars on his team. Not saying he's a bad coach, but he's not as elite or good as everybody thought. Steve Kerr, very good coach. Spolstra, to me, the best right now in the NBA. He sat Jimmy Buckets. He knew he got that win. Are you going to really toss Jimmy Butler out there, your key player, your one guy you need to win a seven-game series after you stole a road win and have a chance of him getting or furthering that injury and all of a sudden he's out for the series? You know, I I just don't get it. So I'm with you, man. I, I think the way they've trained these guys to play, which means not playing every single night, means you've got to rest these guys a little bit. My mindset if I'm on the Lakers going into this game tonight is probably going to give LeBron 28 to 30 minutes in that neighborhood. If all of a sudden they're in the game with a legit chance to win six, seven minutes to go in the game, I got him out there. I mean, going up 2 nothing, I'll take that. But I just don't think that he and Davis playing 40-plus minutes a game will allow them to win a seven-game series against a team like Golden State. All right. Scott Spritzer joins us, DocSports.com. Go there for Scott's uh, selections. Let's look ahead to uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, We go back to that uh, Boston-Philly series where now it's uh, tied at one game apiece after Boston spanked the Embiid-less Sixers. 121-87, Scott, last night. Uh, Embiid played the 26 minutes, 15 points, three rebounds. And like you said, should have been better off not playing. But what about James Harden? Okay. I mean, he leads this team, carries them on their, on their back. Uh, but then what do you get from James Harden last night? Uh, you know, the game one phenomenal game two, 12 points, two for 14 shooting probably doesn't surprise a lot of people. And I know there's a lot of James Harden, you know, haters out there, but. You're not going to win this series if Embiid can't play or if Embiid is going to play the way he played last night, especially if Harden is uh, going to shoot the ball you know, like that. Uh, how do you see that game playing out? And then we'll talk about Phoenix-Denver later. Yeah, I mean, Harden's not a superstar who's going to carry your team to a seven-game series win. He might win a game like we saw in the opener you know, scoring 45, but he's just not next level. He's very good. He's not elite. As far as Embiid, again, I, I, you know, they just put him, I'm going to say it was around a little bit before 2 o'clock Pacific time today that he popped up on the injury list. Now, he's listed as probable, but he wasn't on the injury list before 2 o'clock today, which shows you that he might have, you know, hurt his knee a little bit last night or strained it. And I just thought it was such a dumb move to play him. He steal that one on the road in Boston in game one without him. Let him sit again. Where's you going to be is 1-1 going back home. And then you got a healthy Joel Embiid, at least at the start of game three. He did finish with five blocks, even though they got blown out. But having said all of that, TC, I like the under in game three in Philly. Uh, we saw what Embiid can do inside on defense again in game two. We know that Philly plays at the fourth slowest tempo in the entire league when he's in the lineup. And in game three in playoffs past, I mean, this is where you see the defenses really kind of tend to lock in on the opposing offenses. And it's also, I think, worth noting, you know, Philly's on a 24-16 and 16 under run in the last 40 games. That's a 60% winning rate. And the last couple of games where they went over in the regular season were games that really didn't matter. But we'll still say 24-16. and 16. We've got the third and eighth ranked teams in the NBA in defensive efficiency, and they've gone under for the last five meetings. So, I think, you know, right around 214, not a bad idea to play the under. As far as the side, you know, it's popped up to two. It was one and a half. Now it's two just about everywhere. Couple of the one and a half still out there. That, that kind of makes me think that when that injury popped up or when Embiid got put on the injury list as probable that some people are taking a chance that he's not going to play or he's not going to be nearly as effective as you normally would. And uh, Boston got the bump up a half a point about an hour or so ago. I I lean Boston right now. Uh, I definitely think the under should be a play around 213.5-214. But obviously for the under, you'd like Embiid out there with his presence inside on defense. Denver and Phoenix. Denver up two games to none, and Phoenix now will get to play at home. They need to win, Scott, as we know. Your thoughts about the Game 3 situation with the Suns with their back against the wall as a four-point favorite? 
Yeah, speaking of playing a lot of minutes, get ready, lace them up, KD and Booker, <laughs> because Chris Paul's out for three games, yeah. it looks like. And, uh, you know, he injured his ankle the other night, and all of a sudden that team could do nothing on offense. I think they scored 14 fourth-quarter points in that game. The line was five and a half before the groin injury, not an ankle, but a groin injury to Chris Paul was announced. It dipped to as low as three and a half. Right now they're four just about everywhere. I, I don't think they can come back and win this series without him, but I do think it's one of those situations where maybe you can pick up the slack at least for a half. And that's I haven't done it yet, but I, what I'm probably going to do, TC, is lay the three in the first half. Um, if they're going to miss Paul in this game, I believe it's going to be in the second half when the Nuggets make their adjustments, the energy, the motivation, all that kind of stuff that you get in the first quarter of a game or first half kind of tends to even out when it comes to the second half, especially when the other team is better and has more depth than you. And the Nuggets are the best team in the West, to me. Uh, but anyway, Phoenix you know, held the 14 points in the fourth quarter after they lost Paul. Uh, they don't have the depth to make up for a key player. Their point guard is good. He's not extra special. He's not next level. And both teams stunk it up on offense the other night, except for the Joker, Jokic. Just too tough, unmatched in this series. The real MVP of the NBA this year which would have been for the, what, the third year in a row, uh, even though he didn't get voted MVP. So now KD and Booker got to pick up the slack. I think they could do it for a half. And you remember for like eight or nine post seasons, if you played, you know, the home team in game three in the first half that was down two games to none, boy, they covered that first half number like crazy. Then a couple of years ago, smart guys like Jeff Sherman, Jay, you know, what they said is, okay, we're not going to give you that cut the line at half and add a half a point anymore. Right. We're going to make you lay almost as many points in the right. first half as you have to do for the full game. It's three, I think, Phoenix in the first half. Laying the three is the way to go. I agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. And I'll say this uh, about the point guard situation. Uh, Cameron Payne can play. And the only question mark about Payne, because he's coming off an injury himself here. But I think that you know he can play. He can, he can spell Paul enough. But since he's coming off the injury, how many quality minutes can he give you? But I think you're right with the crowd, the adrenaline going, uh, and, and, and KD is going to have one of those KD type of games, especially in the first half. That makes a lot of sense. It, it, you know, and if you don't want to chance, you know, the full game for four, like you said, that, that could get a little scary, especially if Jokic, you know, comes alive in the fourth quarter, like we've seen him do. I mean, heck, we saw that against, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, in, in that one game where they ended up losing in overtime. But I mean, Jokic, you know, you know, you know, brought him back. They went on that 12 nothing run. Uh, you know, they, they're capable of doing that. There's no question. So I, I'm with you, Scott. That's a, that's a sound play looking at Phoenix in the first half tomorrow yeah and that's that's if i'm gonna and i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get involved i was just gonna say if i get involved with this game it's gonna be the first half on phoenix and i'm like 90 percent sure i'm gonna jump on it but um yeah i mean Jokic is just unmatched for most teams and you know and in this series we're gonna see that he's unmatched against phoenix it's just gonna be one of those games where i really think they come out and play their tails off phoenix for that first two quarters try their best and then they're just outmanned they don't have the depth that denver has by the way, Denver's bench did not give much to that team the other night. So they want that bench to do a little bit more for Denver. And I think they will. I think they're better, obviously, than Phoenix's bench. And especially now that you've lost CP3, you know, it just takes another shot at that depth. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things where at halftime you see Phoenix up by seven or eight points. And probably when the game goes final, you got Denver up three games to none. That's it. All right. Uh, let's leave on this, Scott, real quick. Um, Otani. Uh, I know how much you like him. Uh, what he's done is, is amazing in his career, but, uh, made a little history along with Babe Ruth, didn't he? It was great last night watching him pitch. I mean, he didn't have his best stuff last night, but it's funny. The guy, he, he'll finish with 15 strikeouts in six innings and gives <laughs> up three home runs or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so his mechanics, a couple of times you saw him kind of lose his mechanics a little bit, but after last night's game, he's now one of two players that have struck out 500 hitters and hit 100 home runs in Major League Baseball. And, of course, you mentioned that other one, and that's Babe Ruth. So it's Babe, and it's Shohei Otani. I mean, just incredible stuff. 500 punch-outs, 100 home runs. Guy still got six or seven good years left in him if he stays uninjured. I don't know. And, and the Angels um, are hanging around a little bit, aren't they, right now? Yeah, just, uh, you know, that bullpen stinks. We all yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, that's the scary part. So there's not going to be any futures for me, plunked down right now on the Angels to win the AL West. I'm rooting for them. Got a couple of the friends who are on them. Still don't understand the move because you still got Houston. May not be at the level they played last year at this time, 
but they'll get to a decent level. You still got Texas who can hit the cover off the ball. Seattle, if they ever wake up, the only freebie in that division is Oakland, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go to the Oakland Kansas City Royals series this weekend. TC. <laughs> well, well, here you go. <laughs> here's the your, worst series. Here's your breaking news there, Scott. Uh, and we talked about this yesterday. After the A's had 2,583 fans at their game last night, today, dollar hot dogs, baby. 13,000 today. Wow, thirteen thousand. They're going to miss that team when they go to KC this week. I know, right? (laughs) You know, get that last game of the. Yeah, I would go for hot dogs, no doubt about it. But, uh, but I was looking at their schedule coming up because I've been trying to play against them as much as possible, and they're what six and twenty. Oh, by the way, how about the other night? You got a no hitter going into the seventh or whatever it was for Oakland. Going to the eighth, actually. Going to the eighth. You're right, and the manager pulls you. I know what it is. They were six and twenty-three at the time, and they thought if we can just win this game, we'll be able to save him for our postseason run in August and September. <laughs> there it is. You know, it's just ridiculous. Lo- load management, Scott. You know, I, yep. you better start thinking about load management. You know, you you know, you're staying up way too late at night. You're handicapping too many leagues. You need some load management, my friend. You know, more late nights by the pool, cranking up some classic <laughs> rock or some Parliament Funkadelic, and with your bourbon, load management sprites. You know I think I'm going to have to pass soccer tomorrow. That's it. load management. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Hey, uh, what's your record if you've uh, uh, bet? Well, let's see. Wait, betting against the A's. I mean, you got to lay all kinds of juice, though. But uh, Yeah. Geez, I haven't been involved as much as I'd like to because I don't like laying 260, oh, 240, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know the exact record, but I've played them eight or nine times, and I think I've lost once. So, Kind of makes up for that juice that you're laying, but uh, it hasn't been a blind bet yet. You know, it's funny because last year I was blind betting against the Reds when they started three and twenty-two, and I, I probably like the last fourteen games of that horrible start. I just blind bet them against them every day. I haven't done that with Oakland. I'm kind of kicking myself because <laughs> you'd be like whatever they are now. You'd be like twenty-five or twenty-six and six. Who cares if you're laying two twenty, right? Hey, so yeah. you're. 26 and 13 as far as your actual money record. I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> the good news is, my friend, you still got 130 games to go with the A's because nothing. it's not going to get any better. <laughs> That's the thing. At least the Reds showed fight, right? After right. the first 25 games, yeah. they played their butts off. They won a few games on I don't see that out of the Oakland A's at all. And you had you with know, that rest team, they have nothing. You still had, you know, Joey Votto and a couple other players that were were decent. You know, I think, right. you know, I mean, you're not seeing that, you know, with the A's. I mean, you don't have one recognizable name on that roster right now. I mean, bring them down to Triple A, and I, I bet you that, uh, the Aviators in a seven game series. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy to watch right now, and uh, it's sad for Major League Baseball in general. And for the people of Oakland, I feel bad. Not not the government, not right. the city government. You know, they've been sitting on this for 20 years. I was at Cashman in 1996 when Vegas, when Oakland had to open, I think it was their first six home games were played at Cashman of the regular season. I, I, can't, I think you were here then. Yes, yes. And they yep. had to do so because of renovations to that Correct. piece of crap park yeah. in Oakland. Yep. And they were talking about the Oakland A's moving here in 96. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not a legitimate talk, but... That was the talk is if they ever move and they don't get things together up there, they could be in Vegas within 20 years. And it's been 26, 27 years since that happened. But, you know, bring them here, put them in the ballpark till the stadium's ready. They'll get 10,000 a night, which is in some, in some nights four times more than they're getting now. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. My friend, I appreciate it. As always, uh, enjoy the weekend. Good luck with the Derby and uh, good luck with uh, game two tonight uh, in San Francisco. All right, man. Same to you. Enjoy that julep tomorrow. Yep. Okay. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm not much of a drinker to begin with, but mint julep. Sugar, bourbon. I don't know. I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a review. No doubt. All right. We'll talk a little more drink and maybe some food when we come back here on this thunderous Thursday. From your favorite sports radio physician, the doctor, T.C. Martin. 
all-time favorite movies. Soundtrack. Lights out. Well, you probably didn't know Nutshot. I'll give you a little fun fact about me. Did you know that I managed a Blues Brothers tribute band? You told me this before. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, toured everywhere. And the highlight for those guys, they're from Sacramento. Uh, briefcase full of blues. Did a whole stage production show when I got him a gig in Chicago. And that was something special. So wait, did you get him in Chicago? Or did you get them... Why didn't you try to get somewhere like Joliet? You could you could have got him like close to the prison. I wanted to draw people, okay? I can draw people. I, I wanted to draw a crowd. So if you have it in downtown Chicago, a little bit better than going to Joliet. It's forty miles, buddy. I forty know. miles. Yeah, I know. I know. So, but it, it's kind of hard. You know, they, they do it too because they would love to do Joliet. I, I get where you're going with that, but Chicago, man, because you know, man. If Froggy's was big enough, I would have had him play there. Let's go! Ah, yes. Uh, up in the uh, ballroom there. You know where they, uh, this part up there, up in Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the ballroom. You gotta love it. How's the sewers doing up there? There you go. Where's Carrie Fisher when you need her? Orange Whip! Orange Whip! Orange Whip! Great scene. Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Shout out to my man, Julian Jake, who's, uh, who's out there listening. I'm sure he's listening. Now living in Tennessee. My Julian Jake and my Elwood Blues. Still in Sacktown, by the way. Elwood. All right, man. What do you got for me? So I saw a post today. Mm-hmm. I was looking at Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. I saw this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> burger. Oh. What are we going What are food? we doing now? Ta- oh, talking about yes. food again, huh? Oh yeah. We're we're going food. Okay. All right. We'll go food. What uh, is that monstrosity of a g- amazing burger? Breaking news, my friend. At our good friend. <laughs> Fred Freddy's. Frozen Custard State Burgers, now the new... You like the way I spelled it, too? Did you understand that? Yes. Because I went back and forth I, I whether know. people would understand N-E-W-W-W-W. You got that? Oh, yeah. I, and I didn't know if I should go all caps or just cap N and small letters or go all small letters. But I'm glad you understood it. I knew exactly where you are going. The new uh, State Burger... Stack burger. Okay. It's a triple stack burger. Three patties. Count them. Three patties, Numchuck. Two different cheeses. You've got the American and the white cheddar on there. Pickles. Lettuce. Tomato. Um, the Freddy's fry sauce right there. Now, uh, I'm not much for pickles, as people know. I'm, the Freddy's fry sauce is great with the fries. That's not me. You know, I, I, I'm not a ketchup guy. I don't dip my fries into anything. I don't do the other place in town with their special sauce. I don't do the mayo. I don't do any of that stuff. You know, I'm not like Vincent Vega going back to Amsterdam and putting my French fries in mayonnaise. I'm not doing it. Salt and pepper for me. With the season salt, those Freddy season salt on the fries for me. So I went minus pickle and minus the Freddy sauce. And I went with the, um, not the fry sauce, minus the fry sauce. I went with the Freddy sauce, which is like a thousand island, which yeah. I love on their burgers and minus the pickle. So that's what I had today. And you know what? Now that I think about that, I would probably add grilled onions as well because I love my grilled onions. Well, you saw my comment on that. Your comment was? I would add green chili. Oh, okay. And bacon. And yeah. then it's heaven. You could do that. I know I can. Yeah. And I'm probably going to. Yes. Okay. Tonight. There you go. Not tonight. Not tonight. I just had Freddy's two nights ago. That's a triple. That's a triple. That's a triple. You you can do a triple? That's a ballpark special. That's a- <laughs> but all of that stuff that you're adding on it. Yes. How are you gonna get it in your mouth? Oh I mean I, it, it goes. Don't worry. Don't it it, 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 it goes. Yeah. 
It, I could I could just picture dining with you. I have dined with you. I haven't dined with you at Freddy's. No, I have dined with you at Freddy's. Not at Freddy's. Not, you've, you've had uh, yeah. yeah. I've never watched you eat, but you do eat in record time. You're almost, you're faster than I am. Well, you understand why. Yeah, you got we got time limits. You got time it, constraints. So, w- were you going with this? Hold on. That's exactly what I was going for. Ricky, and you the dragon. Not so much steamboat though, but yeah, yeah, I was going for, I the, I was I going for the new. So I got to uh, spell. I was just wondering if people would uh, would uh, relate. To, uh, I'm sure people do. I, I think so too. Yeah, cause, uh, yeah. So I, I know news. me and Philip from Galt got it 100. percent Did he comment? I don't know. Oh, I, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, the I'm guessing the, the triple stacker. Triple stacker. Ugh. I know you like it. Huh? I loved it. I, I saw it. I was like, "That's all oh, you." If, if it wasn't, you know, two days after having Freddy's, yeah. I'm not like you. I can't do Freddy's every day. Yeah. I'll, I'll get bored. Of, or not bored. With, I'll get sick of it. But I don't. Like, I don't overeat. See, that's a problem. I'll go. I'll go dog one day. I'll go the jalapeno pepper jack one day. I'll go with the the California you so know burger the other day. You, you said know. you did a slice of. American and slice of white, white cheddar. cheddar. Yes, is that how it comes, that's or is comes. that what you did? No, no, no. That's how it comes. Okay, so it comes like this: three patties, two cheeses, the American and the white cheddar, lettuce, tomato, pickle, fry sauce. No pickle for me either. Yeah, see there you go. Yep. Yeah. So, do you like the fry sauce? I do. Okay, so but, you go with it then. Yeah. But do you know what I like? But, I like the spicy fry sauce better. Oh, they'll do it. I know they will. They'll do whatever you want over there. You know, just do it. Just do it. Yep. I will. The Van- our great friends at Freddy's, uh, four locations here in the Vegas Valley. Get ready for number five is coming soon. And then number six is coming after that. Unbelievable. Freddy's blowing up all over the place. And how about this? Breaking news. You want this one? My people in Green Bay are going nuts. Freddy's coming to Green Bay next month. The construction's already started. You said, didn't you say this like six months ago that Freddy's was being constructed? Yeah. Well, they got snow and stuff. It takes a while to construct. I, I, you know what? Forget I forget about that. About that. You know, it, yeah. it, it's about like how they, how we feel about with roads. Yeah. It's just construction's always going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the triple stack, and that's what I love about Freddy's, and and. I think I'm probably the reason why the jalapeno pepper jack burger went on the menu full time, because when that came out, that limited time offer stuff, they call those LTOs, by the way. Yeah. If you're in the business, LTO, LTO. limited time offer. I know. You know. So there you go. <laughs> Always correct me because they'll talk to customers. Yeah, LTO. This and they're going what? Yeah. So oh, I get it. Yeah, limited time offer, and that was an LTO was the jalapeno pepper jack. To me, man, I can't get off that because you know. For the first few years when I was going to Freddy's, that's all I ever got was the hot dog because it was the Vienna, Vienna all beef. Nobody else had it. Yep. And, you know, and what they do with the bun, with a Texas toast bun, outstanding. But then it wasn't until I think I really had the jalapeno pepper jack where I said, no, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going more burger now than dog. So that's a big move for me. I love a good burger. Love a good burger. So when I went a couple nights ago, yeah, got a double, yeah, bacon, grilled onion or not grilled onions, uh, green chili. Yeah, you love that green chili, I, dude. I, yeah. It's the greatest stuff in the world. Yeah. That's liquid, not liquid gold, but no. it's gold to me. I got cheese curds, yeah, large, yeah, fries, Chicago dog, <laughs> and Chicago dog. You got to go. Don't tell home. me you went with a shake too. No, or the custard no, afterwards. No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, I do have an update. Uh, remember my story from about three weeks ago about someone shorted me a chicken tender? Oh, boy. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. So um, after the game last night, I'm thinking, I, 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 need, I need something. Well, let me go back to that establishment and cash in on my free meal that I got coming. Now you're just gonna, you know, give me the tender. You're gonna give me the whole meal or whatever. And they said they give me meal, so I do it. I go back, no problem. They give me the six piece meal, right? Six tenders. Yeah. 
give it to me, this and that. Like an idiot, you know what I don't do? I wait till I get home. Oh, dude. Not even thinking twice. Not no, even thinking twice. No. I open the little styrofoam and one, two, three, four, five. Right. Missing again? No. Second time no. in a row. So the replacement for the replacement. Missing, oh, missing. Gosh. <laughs> I, I didn't even think that it may happen again because it's been three weeks. And I said, I don't even know if I'm going to go back and cash in on it, you know. But I did. And, you know, still had the receipt. Had the name there. And, you know, yeah. You know what I'm going to do now. What are you going to go do? Give it another shot. <laughs> I'll go back again. Just be like, can I have one? I was shorted again. Tender. <laughs> it's principle. How do you not count? And how often does that happen to other people? That's what I want to know. Oh, man. It's a Blues Brothers Day, baby. John Lee Hooker. Maxwell Street. I want to thank Jay Cornegay today. I want to thank Scott Spritzer today. And in advance, I'm going to thank... Marco D'Angelo for tomorrow. John Murray. He's coming down tomorrow. And guess who else is going to be joining us via the phone? Kentucky Derby. The man, the myth, the legend. When it comes time to bet, Mattress Mac. Is he charging you or is it going to be free, free, free? Free, 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 baby. Charge me nothing, nothing, nothing. Ticket, ticket, ticket. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow at the Westgate. Super book. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy. Miss any part of the show. Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check out the recap of last night's Golden Knights victory. Our interview with Asia Wilson is still up on the homepage. Go to the classic interview page, the current interview page, all up there for you. And enjoy. We're back at it tomorrow at 2 o'clock. tcmartinshow.com. Got one thing to say. You walk that walk and talk that talk and whisper in my ear. Tell me she love me. I love that talk, that baby talk. She knocks me dead right off my feet. How?